0: Yell at seven, one on the right center indeed! Get up! Ball and glove, love and brewer fans. Welcome to the Brewers Trilogy podcast presented by the Wisconsin Sports Trilogy. I'm your host, Tyler. You can find me on Twitter at Tyler Kurth. You can read my articles by following or viewing the brew on Twitter. Trevor is not joining me here today. It's Valentine's Day as I'm recording this, and I decided to go snowmobiling this weekend. Got home pretty late here on Sunday night, was in the doghouse, so Had to postpone recording here. Definitely past Trevor's bedtime. He works pretty early, so I'll take the blame for having to go solo on this podcast here. But in case you are wondering, you can find Trevor at the Packers Trilogy podcast. He is keeping up with that. He is our Packers expert. He is at Twitter at Bender underscore Trevor. Definitely recommend checking that out. But as you know, I'm going to talk some brewers here today because that is my passion. And before we get into some brewers news, I just want to thank you guys as the fans of this podcast because you can tell baseball is starting to become in the air again. Maybe it's just because the Packers season is officially over, NFL's done, whatever, but... Man, the listens are starting to ramp back up. We had a a great showing last season in the shortened MLB season with this podcast. A lot of fans every podcast. It was great. And you can see it on Twitter, too. Like, the talks are starting to heat up. Everyone's starting to get into it. And it's awesome because that's why we do this. That's why I continue to do it. So I want to thank you guys for your support here before I get started. On a gloomier note, of course, we have to talk about the Brewers losing the Justin Turner sweepstakes. Yes, I know. It sucks and it's going to anger many Brewer fans because they were so close and they had a very similar offer out to the Dodgers, and that I thought was actually really surprising. The Brewers offered nearly the same, like I said, 34 mil over two years reportedly by John Heyman. And then they also made a bid for a third year, but it was a somewhat lower annual salary compared to what the Dodgers gave him. The Dodgers also gave him an $8 million signing bonus. So all in all, Justin Turner becomes the largest guaranteed contract for a position player 36 years or older since Victor Martinez, and that was in 2014. Justin Turner's deal has a potential value for $48 million if his third-year option is exercised. Could bump all the way up to 52 if he gets into like some MVP voting of some sort there. So, absolutely crazy there. I think it's even more crazy to think about like the fact the Brewers were even considered giving him this amount of money because you're talking 2 years, $34 million. Obviously I don't know what like what the Brewers would have you know, gave him up front at all or anything, but that's a lot of money on an average annual value basis. And everyone's out there going, Marc Atnacio's cheap, yada yada yada, but all of a sudden, holy cow, like the thing that we offered Justin Turner that much money just shows how desperately we wanted him and unfortunately the Dodgers came out on top, which, you know, we all kind of expected, but I am glad to see that the Brewers were willing to fork over this large sum amount of money. Now unfortunately, at least from a position player standpoint, there isn't anyone really left who's going to command that type of money. So. It's kind of like, oh, well, you know, I, I could see the argument for, oh, well, it's too late. Like, that's what you get for waiting. And, yeah, I get it because now everyone's like, okay, what kind of trade is Stern's going to dig up? Like, yeah, that, that that's definitely an option. All the Kyle Seeger Trade rumors are coming out from a couple of years ago. Again, if you listen to my very last podcast where it's uh, Sin Shu Chu is the, is the title, I kind of actually go into depth over the third baseman options that are still there in Mikil Franco, Travis Shaw, Jed Jerko, or you know, even the internal options, Lee Sirius and then Daniel Robertson. So there are definitely options out there. I do think one caveat I would like to put in, if you did listen to my most recent podcast before this, I talked a lot about Franco and how he's a great contact hitter, but, man, defensively, I was looking at some of his DRS stats. It's not good. He is a very much a well below defender at third base, so that actually might sway me the other way. Bring me back Travis Shaw. Bring me back Judge Jerko. I like both of those options. Am I going to be upset if we go into the season with Lee Sirius or Daniel Robertson combo? I think I'm going to be worried, but I'm also at the same time, I'm going to have faith. Like If it's clear it's not working out, David Stearns will find something in the season to address this. He's not just going to let it go all season long. Like even in the shortened season last year, we rode Justin Smoke and Logan Morrison for the long, you know, it felt like the longest time just because of how much they were struggling. But neither one of those players were on or on the roster by the end of the season. And that was many fans like, oh, they gave him too long of a leash. But you know, they gave him their best shot. They signed hoping they would contribute and bounce back, and unfortunately neither one of them did. So if we go in with this urias Robertson combination, have faith that if it doesn't work out, we're gonna do something about it, even if we if we don't do something right now. Of course, I'm always a big fan of Zach Green. I think he's my wild card here for spring training, the guy I'm most looking forward to watching good two eighties hitters throughout his minor league career, hits for good power. I've talked a lot about him in depth in other podcasts, so I won't rant about him too much here. Or Otherwise, like a Babe Mathias, I've seen a lot about him going out there as an X-Factor at third base, which I'm not too entirely sold on yet. I really could talk myself into Urias being the guy just because of how you know, his track record in AAA and how good he's done there. But we got to see something at the at the Major League level, and I think we saw glimpses of it last year. Like, he started off really good. He, he was hitting for pretty good contact, has decent speed, and many people wanted him at leadoff last year at, at some points. And then he just, as soon as everyone was thinking that, he hit a huge slump and then eventually ended up losing some playing time. So, unfortunately, that's how it goes in the baseball world. I do think it would be cool to see what Urias can do if you give him a month, two-month leash and just say, go out and play every day, and, and then we'll assess where we're at after that. That could be very beneficial to, A, not only determine what we got in Urias, but, B, then you don't have to do anything about third base if it works out. So... We'll see what ends up being done there. Obviously, a a big question mark here now with spring training starting pretty soon here. But yeah, like I said, all the big free agents are gone, in particular at that position, like who are going to command a lot of money. But there are still some solid options out there as well who still could improve this lineup as it sits today. The last thing I wanted to mention on the Justin Turner deal was, if you missed it, In Walker Buehler's tweet after Justin Turner himself tweeted out that he's returning to the Dodgers, uh, Walker Buehler essentially said, were we ever scared, the Brewers? And then just a bunch of ha-ha-ha-ha-has after that. And the tweet was obviously deleted shortly after that. But man, that certainly got Brewer fans in an uprise. Brewer's Twitter was Instantly, like as soon as Bueller said that, all I saw was Arcia's home run off in the postseason this year. So everybody going in savage mode there. Definitely a mistake tweet by Walker Bueller. Like, come on, bro. Seriously, that just fuels my hatred for the Dodgers even more. Man, the Dodgers are so loaded, which is just a thing I don't really want to talk about in particular at this point. But when we play them this year, yes, I certainly hope. We beat them because I hate the Dodgers. I hate losing to them and how much money they've stuck in their team. Am I gonna go out there and boo Walker Bueller? Yeah, probably. Cause I don't like him now. Am I gonna boo Justin Turner? No, I'm not gonna boo Justin Turner. Like he went through the process fair and you know I have no grief with the way Justin Turner went about free agency. He listened to all his options and eventually The team that was willing to fork over more money got his bid. So that's just how it's going to sit, unfortunately. From another Brewer standpoint here is, man, it's been a while since I've recorded in the fact that Ryan Braun hinted at the fact that he is currently not interested in playing. That came out last week, Tuesday already. So that would have been the 9th of February when he said that. I kind of knew that was coming, but like to actually hear it is another thing. But I think the important part is he hasn't officially announced his retirement, despite you know, the kind of all of a sudden I saw Ryan Braun tribute videos all the way over and thank you for the memories. And I'm just like, no, guys, too soon. Like, wait for it to be official. Official. Yes, he's not interested in playing, but he did say he was staying in baseball shape. So I think a lot of it. For Braun is like what's going to happen with fans like I think that means a lot to him more so than we think like obviously he deserves to go out in a, a stadium tour with Cubs fans booing him one more time and Brewers fans obviously cheering him and welcoming him and all that. But the fact that there are going to be fans in spring training, I think, is encouraging. Maryville did say that they were going to allow fans in some capacity. And I couldn't find a tweet confirming this, but my dad told me today, or one of my family members told me today, that the Brewers were going to allow, I think, up to 15,000 in regular season games once they get going at Miller Park. But I... I'll have to find that tweet or find confirmation of that and, and tweet it out somewhere. So don't take my word for it. It's just, just kind of what I heard through the rumor mill. Uh, obviously, I think if fans come back or not, that's a big deciding factor for Ryan Braun. If you're, you know, it looks like we're going to be able to start on time and play a full season. I don't think Braun's interested in playing COVID ball at all. So I'm one of those optimistic guys, as you know. I'm holding on to the fact that. Once things become more official and more details are leaked out, Braun's going to get that itch. He's going to come back for one more season. I'm still holding on to that faith, so don't take it away from me. From a lineup standpoint here, I tweeted out and I wrote at Reviewing the Brew kind of who has the edge as the current leadoff hitter because obviously with the signing of Colton Wong last week, he is a strong candidate, and then we're also getting Lorenzo Cain back again. A fan favorite really to get the position but who has the edge I mean leadoff hitter was obviously just a huge struggle for the Brewers in 2020 because after Kane left we went through Sogard Garcia Narvaez Braun freaking Ryan Healy for a game so it was just never-ending revolving door that just kept spinning and this year hopefully there can be a lot more consistency at it but like who's gonna get the edge first So if you kind of go off stats here, you think like, okay, Lorenzo Cain is your fan favorite. He did it in 2018, drew a career high in walks that year was 71. And was really the good table setter for the Christian Yelish that year, who was MVP. That's how he drove in a lot of his runs. But unfortunately, in 2019, that walk rate dipped. His batting average was down. He was battling the thumb injury that year and ended up losing the leadoff job due to performance issues. That's really what it was. And then 2020, obviously, he opted out after just five games, so didn't really get a good sample size there. Lorenzo Kane and Colton Wong have similar profiles in that regard. They don't make a lot of loud contact. They are good good contact hitters and they have sneaky slash surprising speed where they're they're gonna steal bases once they're on base. When you flip over to Wong here, you think of like, okay, can he draw walks like Kane can, even though the numbers have aggressed recently? It's kind of the opposite trend with Wong. His walk numbers have been going up. In fact, in 2020, in which he spent 47 games as a leadoff hitter, he had a 9.6% walk rate, which obviously was his highest by a good margin for his career average is 7.7 at that metric. So definitely, I think, two players trending in maybe opposite directions in terms of the walk rate percentage. But profile-wise... They're very similar. So who do you give the edge to? Is it the veteran Kane who's been with the ball club for a while? Or is it Colton Wong who has been a good leadoff hitter more recently because, well, he actually played in 2020? I think personally my edge would go to Colton Wong at this point. I tweeted it out on the podcast Twitter and everyone surprisingly voted more so for Kane. So what do I know? I told you he's the fan favorite, but I think that's going to be a position battle actually that will be determined in spring training, just kind of how each player performs. Someone's going to get the first crack at it, or do they even go one, two, and it really doesn't matter at that point. It could be. I don't know, but I'm kind of interested to see what exactly Craig Council elects to do there. Lastly, breaking tonight here, we have a Valentine's Day signing, and that is Brad Boxberger signing a minor league deal with the Milwaukee Brewers with an invite to big league camp. Boxberger has been pretty consistent throughout his years, spent a lot of time with the Rays in the mid-2010s, and then over the last three years, has bounced between three different teams. His pitching repertoire has stayed pretty much the same since he entered the league. He has a low to mid nineties fastball, and then his changeup sits in the high seventies to low eighties. The cool thing about his changeup is it possesses a lot of vertical drop. Like at a, its at his seasons where it's its best, it's six point four inches downward, which is you know near the top of the league in that regard. So it kind of combats for the fact that he doesn't have an overpowering fastball, but his changeup has a lot of drop. You have a 15, you know, 10 to 15 mile per hour difference there between the two pitches that he throws primarily. So obviously that's going to keep hitters off balance. He is able to sprinkle sprinkle in a slider in there as well. Looking at 2020 through that slider 17% of the time, 2019, 18% of the time, so Having a third pitch is pretty useful, especially for someone like him who, although like I said, doesn't possess the higher velocity fastball, he is in the 90th percentile in spin rate in that pitch. So it's gonna hang up there longer. When he throws it higher in the zone, it's gonna look a lot faster. You know, kind of similar like Freddie Peralta. It it may be 92 on the gun, but it looks like 95. So at 32 years old. I'm pretty excited to see what Boxberger can do in that regard because his stuff has been the same since he entered the league and he's been pretty steady. He has 77 career saves throughout his career. Two seasons where they primarily came or most of the save opportunities came in thinking back to his All-Star season with the Rays, he had 41 saves that was 2015, and then in 2018 with the Diamondbacks had another 32 saves there. So definitely a guy who has the potential to pitch in high leverage but also i think is just you know someone who possesses another different aspect to contribute to this bullpen if he does indeed make the team because you think about all the other profiles of these guys like drew rasmussen high velocity eric yardley funky arm delivery justin topa sweeping slider Freddie Peralta obviously has that knee-buckling curveball. Devin Williams' best changeup in the entire freaking planet. And then you're throwing Boxberger out there, who's got a pretty good changeup and high spin rate. So definitely brings another look to the table, which is obviously something Council values very much. But for Boxberger, unfortunately for him, he's going to have to play his way onto this team because, as we know with these invite-to-big-league camps, if... He performs well, and it doesn't add to the 40-man roster. He could very easily elect free agency at the end of spring training and sign with someone else. So it'll be interesting to see how he does during spring. If he play, performs well, I think you, you kind of have to give him a 40-man roster spot. You don't want someone else to sweep in there and pick him up if he's pitching well, or you don't want him to elect free agency. So I'm assuming he has no interest in playing in the minor leagues at age 32. It's probably... MLB or bust here at this point for Boxberger, but has potential to be a really good signing here for the Brewers. I like it. Very low risk, high reward there. And yes, it wasn't Justin Turner, but the beat goes on. You have to keep adding depth to this team, and Boxberger is just another signing in that regard. So that is gonna do it for me here today. We will be back next week, Monday, unless something crazy happens here between the next week. So hopefully we can cover a third baseman signing. That would be pretty cool. If not, then uh, we'll probably be rooting for Urias would be my guess. at least most of us anyway. Or if you're like me, get on the Zach Green bandwagon right now. Make him your dark horse out of spring training. So... Make sure you're looking up all these guys here. But I think that will do it for me this week, and I will uh, talk to you later, Bear